leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Good morning, gents. I have music playing in the background, so you'll have to excuse that for a minute. Some, some, some's playing in my head, so that's on me. Well, good morning. It, uh, we've arrived at another Friday, so technical difficulties. Greg, I'll let you take this away for just a minute while I fix oh, yeah. this. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Happy Friday to everybody. This is uh, episode, what is it, 18 now, Jeff? Holy cow, things are, are flying by. Um, we got a fascinating guest for you guys today. Um, definitely plop your questions in the chat. Uh, we got Chris Fallone. You guys are probably familiar with Chris. Um, you know, I was on his podcast, Breaking into Cybersecurity. A few months back, it's been one of the biggest opportunities from a people continuing to come to me and say, I saw you on this podcast. I think you guys are doing great things. Would love to you know, build a relationship. Chris is really a community builder, mentor to many of us, um, obviously a cybersecurity expert. Um, so he, he is the full trifecta in our mind. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, to the discussion. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I think it'd be great just for the audience here to hear a little bit about kind of your background, some of the impacts you're looking to make on your community going forward. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And it was an honor having you on on my podcast. 
little bit about my background. Came from IT help desk and uh, eventually moved my way into cybersecurity. I found that I loved helping people achieve what they wanted to do in a secure way. It started from in the help desk with folks having their passwords on post-it notes and kind of just teaching them a better way. And as we went along the way with digital transformations, um, companies moving to the cloud, it's been a continuous journey for me. No, I love it. Yeah, it's you've, you've seen you've seen a lot. You've seen things develop in this industry. Um, you know, obviously, both as a leader and a practitioner. I think a lot of people only see one of those sides. You know, you either see the business side or you see the practitioner side. Um, and I think you're one of those key folks who are breaking down barriers in that that avenue to kind of elevate, you know, leaders whether they're pivoting from you know a business area, pivoting from something you know technological, more on the technology side, you know, or coming out of the military, you know, there's a lot of impact there from folks who have a lot of valuable expertise to bring to the table that is untapped commonly. And I think, you know, you're one of those folks that come to mind for me that are breaking through and lowering those barriers, which is what this industry really needs um, from our, from our standpoint. Got a couple uh, well, questions in the chat here. See Simon, appreciate you joining us. Good to see you as well. Appreciate the heart. <laughs> Gives me a little bit of a, a warm hug this morning, so I appreciate that. See Paul Cummings in the chat. I had to laugh this morning. I think I'm, I'm back up to speed, so my apologies, gents, around the table. Um, I think I, I missed <laughs> out on the coffee cup cheers, but I'll uh, hit, hit, hit the screen with it. There you go. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would be interesting to just find out, you know, Chris, you have a plethora of experience. You know, we met, you know, years ago, not this is the first time meeting digitally. So it's great to see you face to face time, but just how you got into the kind of coaching realm, you know, what that driving function was um, and, you know, where you guys are headed next would be helpful. I'd say it's something that has been within me forever. Folks have always come to me for advice, even when. I was uh, the the youngest help desk analyst in the company. I was the one um, driving the change, driving the innovation. And individuals would come to me saying that this is what you're looking to do. And I'd talk to them and just find out what really drives them to help motivate them from their core to achieve their mission versus a superficial goal that's out there that you're trying to work towards that once achieved will really bring them nothing, maybe only a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this all the time, finding your why, what your reason that really um, gets you out of bed in the morning, put your feet on the ground, you know, really getting to the heart and soul of your passions. And then when it comes to cyber, you know, taking the, I want to get into cyber and translating into what role in cyber, what roles at 150 plus roles there are, um, definitely value the perspective, the experience and the guidance and leadership that you bring to the table um, in your mission there and, and outside as a practitioner. Um, we're very much alongside the, that path as well as Simon Lindstedt and the guys, great guys at InfoSec Live. 
to really break down that barrier to help folks, right? There's plenty of people, and we'll get into this here shortly, is that do we actually have a talent shortage or is it a facade uh, that we're failing to potentially train and create that pipeline? We're passionate about that because we want to leave a lasting legacy and an impact to the folks that we serve, but the communities around us, it's all about community to us at the end of the day. So we value, um, you know, your inputs, your continued dedication to that cause and mission. I'd say my, my mission, right, is developing the leaders of tomorrow. And that could be someone leading as an individual contributor. It could be someone leading a team or leading an organization. I like to work with them to figure out what makes them unique and what unique values they can bring to their organization, their team, or even their future employer and help bring that out of them. Yeah, I think you know that's one of the things I think don't happen enough within a company model because cybersecurity is still early on. Obviously, we have leaders that have been in this space, you know, 20, 30 years, potentially even more. It's such a rapidly moving space because you're trying to stay ahead of something that you're never potentially going to get ahead of um, from the threat standpoint that I think commonly the leadership and those kind of softer skills are not prioritized. And there's really, you know, before CPF coaching, there wasn't many outlets to go there and ask the right questions. You know, here's where I'm at, here are my skills. How do you suggest I build on the skills that I want to acquire? Um, so I think it's, it's fascinating. You saw that gap and are taking daily strides to put people in a better position. I'm sure you're learning along the way, which is, you know, makes it a win-win. Um, and you can better serve your, your, the people that you serve because you're learning from people of different backgrounds, people of different mindsets. Um, so I think it's fascinating. But do you think people kind of standing around the black ball and saying there's a talent shortage? You know, do you think that is just bringing our industry down? Um, or is there something we can do to kind of cut through that and say, you know, there's really just a disconnect between x and and y you know what are your thoughts there on ways forward that we can be better as industry practitioners to elevate you know folks to the next level which will overall elevate the industry i think it's a disconnect i think it's a cognitive disconnect between i need to run my business and achieve these results now versus hey, this person's coming on, it's going to take them six to nine months to get up to speed, no matter who they are. But they forget that even the senior experienced individuals are going to have that ramp up time as well, because each organization is unique. Um, each system that they use is unique. So there might be experiences that they can bring. But the younger generation coming into the workforce, they, they're going to learn uh, just as quickly to adapt. So take recognize that both the experience and the non-experience do have that ramp up time. Think logically as to what exactly you're looking for that role to deliver. And 
if that's truly one role or two roles, because oftentimes with tight budgets, everyone wants everything in one, and then you'll end up spending two to three times as much on a senior individual trying to achieve that. But if you had logically cut that role down into two mid or a mid and a junior role, you could have achieved potentially more results uh, having two people versus one. And it would add resiliency to your workforce at the same time. Yeah, I think it's an important point that you mentioned about the ramp up time um, that it's needed on both sides of the table, whether that's senior leadership or the folks coming into your organization. You know, many times you see in these job recs that it says, you know, somebody that's ready to hit the ground running. You know, I kind of have a head scratching moment. You know, what does that look like? You have to get adjusted to, you know, you may already know, hopefully, that what the business does and what it focuses on, product, tool, service, widget. But to get accustomed to the culture, you know, how processes are executed upon, it takes weeks, you know, to even get a CISO up to speed, right? Um, so... I think it's it's critically important to know that you know to provide those outlets for those folks that you know everybody gonna is everybody is going to take some time to get adjusted and get their feet on the ground. Well, you mentioned um, even a CISO and especially a CISO because a CISO coming into an organization doesn't just have to do the cybersecurity function; they have to know the business, they have to know what drives the business how does this business create value for its clients? And then what are the ways that they can enable this value generation in the most secure way possible? And then that also involves building relationships with all the stakeholders across the organization. And, you know, unless you're in person, um, those, those relationships take considerably longer to build um, in a remote environment. Um, that being said, companies are looking to take advantage of that remote environment so that they have access to talent from across the country. But there's some pros and cons to that. And you're seeing some companies are starting to move back to the office so that they can try to build that kinship. Um, but then th there's a, a whole different aspect when you when you look at the intergenerational divide. Um, me and you, we, we've grown accustomed to this. Um, we're, we're happy, we're comfortable, uh, we have stability for our family. The younger generation, they're more fluid. Um, they, they don't mind working out of a Starbucks or um, working wherever. And forcing them to come back into the office just to have a meeting um, then creates friction for them. So you have to try to amend the different perspectives of the different generations and uh, have them come together to create that optimal output for a team. Yeah, we talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, we're definitely big on that, is that creative minds from different backgrounds, different circumstances, different looks, they all drive effective output um, if there's the right leadership in place, you know, providing them the, the platform for that. So, you know, kind of looping back to what you said, that if somebody wants to work remote, uh, you know, hybrid capacity, that doesn't necessarily stifle the output. You know, it's, it's about, I think, contributions at the end of the day and effectively serving 
the end, end line of that, which is your customer, you know, partner, client. Um, you know, do you see the future of in the world of chat GPT and such? And we, we can go off on a separate tangent there, but being remote, um, you know, a lot of overhead of having those traditional brick and mortar office spaces is just now weighing down the company budget. They're trying to cut costs. And, you know, I've, do you do you find that that's going to be sustainable to bring people back in a hybrid capacity or you know is it going to be tomorrow where hey look remote is going to be the future again well, i think the hybrid is likely here to stay um whether we like it or not you'll have organizations that will consolidate their their real estate holdings potentially have a smaller footprint for a major corporate office, but they would still want their stakeholders to come together at a certain time. They might just have to plan those activities because really coming together, you build a different type of bond than if you were just remote. Uh, there's a tighter connection uh, between humans when there's face-to-face -face interaction. So there is value in that. Um, there might not be value in them coming to that office every day, because if their, their other stakeholders are across the country, they're going to the office to sit back in front of a screen to Zoom with someone across the country. That doesn't make sense. And if you force people to do that, it causes friction in their mind with regards to their role and if this is really the type of role that they want. Yeah, I think that the three plus years or so, I know we're still in the mix of COVID, but has taught us that, you know, there's real life living that goes on for folks, whether they're balancing three kids, you know, their house is on fire, but they're still trying to connect a webinar. Uh, that is the real authentic, you know, world that people live in that it's, you know, I think it's somewhat been refreshing because it just shows that if your kid comes in during a, you know, video con that this is how people live. Right. And this is what they balance between talk about work life balance. This is the authentic self and the struggles and the opportunities that they have in every day. So I think having a strike and a blend of that is, is great. We find the value of shaking hands, looking people in the, the eyes and, you know, having, having that face-to-face -face dialogue. So I definitely think hybrid is the, is the, will be the next wave of, you know, mainstream activities when it comes to how businesses operate. You know, I'm curious, you know, when it comes to training, I mentioned chat GPT, you know, that's the big hype right now. Bing's using it. Google has their own flavor of it. Do you feel that the future kind of training pipeline or onboarding process will be utilizing artificial intelligence in the future? Yes, to some way, to some extent or another. You have companies that are already using artificial intelligence to drive their IVR, to drive their um, retention of customers by um, sending them social media feeds or sending them mailers just at the right time. Um, there's AI and programming and cybersecurity and other industries. We can't stop that evolution. Just like when PCs came out, um, we couldn't stop them becoming the main way for businesses to create value in an information age. What we'll have to do is adapt. There'll be different types of roles. There might not be um, the mundane SOC analyst type role um, because that might be automated out, but then you'll have more 
sophisticated threat hunter roles where uh, now you need the, the intelligence that the artificial intelligence doesn't have to be able to do that type of threat hunting. Um, you'll have other creative roles where while AI can help you generate some content, um, you still need to tweak it to the audience that you're delivering it for, uh, things like that. So there's going to be AI involved in programming and cybersecurity and industry, but it will um, just have to adapt and be a way to make our process more efficient, but humans will still be in the loop. Yeah, great. No, I love it. I think I see that. I see yeah. the, uh, the mind just churning. No, I think it's a lot, <laughs> lot, a lot of different angles to go down. Uh, we could we could talk about AI and, and chat GPT all day. Um, you know, we, we did that last week and we'd love to have you back on the show to dive a layer deeper there, because I think when we when we consider exponential technology like we're going through now, like, you know, these different revolutions that we're going through from a technology standpoint, I think what it's done really productively over the past year or two is it's made people realize that they don't have all the answers, that they, it's almost exponential leadership. And I think you're at the perfect position um, to be able to help leaders adjust to these exponential technology developments, but it requires the leaders to ask questions. You know, commonly, you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, the leaders that I was surrounded with when I, you know, got my first job or, you know, went out into the economy and said, Hey, I'm ready to be, you know, contributing member. It seemed like everybody expected the leaders to have all the answers. So the folks on the team didn't really have the opportunity to hear questions from the leaders. Hey, what do you guys think about this? How do you, what do you think if we do a hybrid model that's, you know, you work from home on Mondays and you, you know, you come into the office Thursday, Friday. So just, those types of conversations I see happening more. How do you get leaders out of the seat of, I have all the answers and, and turn that into, now I have smart questions that I can ask the people I'm leading so that I can be a better leader for them. And that's, you know, servant leadership at the end of the day. Part of that is uh, the types of generations that we have in the workforce um, that my parents, your parents, they were from a generation where they hid vulnerabilities. They hid that they didn't know the answer. And if you asked them questions and they didn't know the answer, they'd make you work five times as hard uh, figuring it out versus telling you, I don't know, let's work it out together. Um, our generation has realized that our parents don't know all the answers. So let's open up and have smart questions. The next generation is, well, our parents don't know the answers for sure. I could go out and ask ChatGPT, or I could go out and Google that. Like they're they're considerably more fluid in admitting that they don't know things and how they're going to go figure it out. Um, so it's about taking advantage of the experience from the older uh, generations, the the vulnerability from our generation and then the fluidity to adapt of the next generation and bring them all together to create a, a, a really cool, diverse workforce. I love it. Because one, yeah. one of the things that, that, that we see for folks coming in is 
there's there's ageism, there's sexism, there's all sorts of isms. And if we can bring that diversity together, we could take advantage of those different isms for the value that they bring and create a great workforce together. Turn the negatives into positives. I love the uh, the ism because I think there's a lot of isms, whichever way you look at it. Um, but you know, I think you know one of the things that I think technology is continuing to do that I'd be interested in your thoughts on is with more with further abilities to ask ChatGPT the question. Does that put a higher wall up for us to ask the person next to us if we can find the answer immediately and get that? that chemical, you know, that endorphin shock of, I got the answer to my question, or I go to, you know, the person next to me and say, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? And I'd love your perspective. Do we, do you see that wall continuing to get higher or do you, do you see strategies that you can kind of cut through that? Um, you know, as, as new people come in, you want them to ask questions. And if, if they can ask questions to chat GPT, they might not ask to the leader. Well, it, so it, it's again, going back to the generational, um, approach. Our our approach in our generation was to ask our neighbor, ask our friend, right? Um, that was part of our upbringing. Uh, today's generation, they're, they're connected to folks all over the globe. They don't need to see that there's not an expert uh, within a five mile radius of them to go, oh, I know someone that is perfect at this. They happen to be in Italy or in Romania. I could just reach out and ask them. So they're more fluid in asking for help. It's they now have a global reach versus when we were growing up, it was more our local or regional reach. Um, we, we had a bigger reach than our parents did because uh, we started accepting technology as we were growing into the workforce. So it, it grew, um, but now it's global. So we have to take advantage that while they might not ask uh, our neighbor, they could find the answer somewhere. Um, so enable them to do the troubleshooting, enable them to figure out the problem. And, and don't think because they're not necessarily asking you for help that they're not um, getting help. But you do want to ensure that you're integrating them into the process, offering help. But if they say, oh, no, uh, um, I'm working on this, uh, figure it out, L let them do it, right? Just don't say, think that you're being antisocial or um, not reaching out to you for help. You have to try to work with them and take advantage of the way they work. I think great points you were talking about, kind of giving them or tasking them with a um, you know duty or assignment and letting them go kind of figure it out allows those kind of the creativity and that spark to we'll, we'll call it add a fuel to the fire. You know, we we're well, big on, I think our, it's different. Yeah. I think it's different than tasking them, right? Tasking them says you move um, mouse from left to right. That's the task that the, the problem is, Hey, this machine over here doesn't have a mouse. How can the user interact with the machine? Well, they'll figure out that there's an extra mouse over there and they'll deliver it. So you provide them with the problem and they'll figure out a solution. If you're tasking them, um, it'll feel like you're being micromanaged yourself. You don't like that. Um, you want to problem solve. You want to show that you're bringing value to the workforce. So 
give them a problem, tell them why it's a problem, tell them the type of results that you're expecting, but let them figure out the middle part. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I, I refined, uh, approach to that, you know, I guess you could say, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're hoping to achieve and then reverse engineer the goal. Right. So, and then what does that look like? Let's take the first step. Um, you know, what's in front of you, right. Don't have to swallow the entire elephant. You just have to take that, that, uh, that first uh, walk forward. So definitely. Yep. And, and while I'm here, um, I do want to give a shout out to the whole cyber human initiative which is a non-for-profit that I support with Paul Cummings. Uh, one of the things that we do for uh, veterans as well as others transitioning into cybersecurity is kind of provide them with uh, a roadmap, uh, um, a guided path to figure out their role in cyber. And um, just figured I'd throw it out here while I have some screen time. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely value a coffee cup cheers there. You know, Paul has been instrumental, you know, on the ground floor and, you know, it's been very much a pleasure to meet folks like yourself uh, that are contributing to that cause, experts, leaders that are leading from the front and um, in that organization. You know, we've definitely been a very much of a proponent of the whole cyber human initiative, you know, whether that's feeding our apprentices to uh, to that program directly or directing them from the get go. Um, after having kind of a discovery discussion with them to find out really what their why is and, you know, what they want to potentially do. If that's not with us, that's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, our goal is to make sure that we direct them to the learning that they want to experience and then the resources that come with that. So definitely appreciate uh, everything that you and the team are doing. Yeah, I think one of the one of the best things about this industry you know, obviously the people are incredible because it takes passionate folks to accomplish, you know, security outcomes, things of that nature for these organizations. But I think it's the clarity that folks like you, you, Chris, Paul, Simon, the clarity you guys have on your what and why, you know, I think a lot of times we get stopped by the how, because the how is a continual continuous process that constantly requires, you know, adaptability being able to ask the right questions. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because you guys have so much passion for what you're doing, the what and the why is so clear. And I think that's inspiring to me. And then, you know, collectively as a community, we, you know, come together, figure out the how. Um, and I think that's what makes this industry so great to be a part of. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to, uh, to be a member of it. I thought there for a second, he was pointing the, uh, the why to me because uh, on the screen, it says it says it says why why is jeff here in the conversation <laughs> no 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 just just uh just all in good fun figure figured we'd uh we'd enjoy a laugh oh yeah yeah and I, the one thing i'd tell you is um oh, okay a question from paul how do you attract more youth when it comes to stem programming centric um that there's much more than cyber so Right now, I know my son's at this age where he's playing Minecraft. He's he's getting creative in it. Um, in the beginning, it was just about um, having adventures. Now he's evolved to where he's building and he wants to figure out um, 
what are those ingredients needed to make that special formula to get that next brick or whatever in Minecraft. So he's doing the research, he's figuring it out. So it's doing things like that at, at a young age to show them that it's, it, it can be fun. It, it could be a game. You could be building and solving a problem while doing a game. Um, there's, we, we've done, um, Mark Rober has a, a company where they, they, they send pieces to a kit and then um, provide them with instructions and like a science video about what's happening in that. And they can make tripwires and launchers and all so sorts of things, but they just get pieces of wood and plastic and they're the ones to put it together. And when you see that, that smile at the end that, yes, they got it working, that's the type of thing that we need to try to enable um, for everyone. And the, the challenge when it comes to that is that as you have individuals that might have less access to uh, funds for things like that, less access to technology for things like that, uh, we have to work as a society to provide those underrepresented communities with resources to be able to provide those experiences uh, to the next generation so that they can have that interest from when they're young. Because if you introduce it by the time they're in high school, they already figured out potentially where they want to go. Oh, I want to be a nurse, a firefighter, an astronaut. Um, they, they never think of cyber. They, they, like It's the ones that have been introduced when they're younger that can uh, do that. Yeah, I think when you talk about, uh, well, first of all, Chris, how, how old is your son? Uh, he's eight. Awesome. So I think that just the, the fluidity of the, of the young child uh, brain and the ability to, you know, want to do whatever they can dream up is, is awesome, right? So we recently went to a goal setting workshop uh, at the beginning of the year uh, with somebody from the Vistage group and made an important point that if you ask somebody in their maybe 2030s, you know, what do you want to do? They have that directed path because maybe that's because that that's really what they want to do or they found their why, or maybe that's because people have said, you know, well, you, you can't be a NASCAR driver because, you know, that takes 20 years of experience. But yet, if you ask a kid, what do you want to do? And they're like, I want to be an astronaut, like any anything that they, and then tomorrow could be an architect, right? Um, and then maybe they find out that they just want to build rockets, right? Uh, so I just think it's, it's really, really awesome to experience it at the ground floor to give them the toolkits and, and again, making sure that those folks that don't have those resources that's available to them and just seeing how they blossom, whether that's STEM or outside of STEM. And I would personally like to give a shout out to uh, the Cyber Bites Foundation. Um, Amanda, Amanda Sowitz, about two and a half weeks ago, I personally went up there to right outside of Quantico and I encourage folks that are in the local area to at least, you know, reach out to Amanda, the team over there. They're a small team, but they're very nimble. They're providing great opportunity for military and folks just generally that want to experience STEM type opportunities. Um, definitely went up there and, you know, seeing that it's not just a cyber flavor. It could be, you know, AR, augmented reality, VR, um, putting these uh, Oculus goggles on, seeing what that environment is, building Raspberry Pi drones. Like they have so many different opportunities there. It's kind of ridiculous. And it's all free for folks um, as a kind of nonprofit. So. 
just de just a de definitely a, another great opportunity um, to get plugged into learning um, at different uh, ages in that that life cycle uh, development for for folks. And the other thing I, I would say is um, higher education training like this isn't for everyone. That we there's people that are. They work with their hands, so working in a trades is better for them. Um, there's people that learn differently, so they can't learn from reading. They have to learn from doing, or uh, they have to watch a video a hundred times um, to hear what's happening, to figure it out. Um, I'm an auditory learner, so I've figured out listening is the fastest way for me to absorb information, but that took until... I was like in my late 20s to really hone that in and that made school such a challenge. So I think figuring out like how you learn best and um, really trying to enable that as soon as you can uh, is highly recommended. I think that's <clears throat> that's a foundational item that we don't learn early enough, I, you know, I believe. And, you know, there's some folks out there and, you know, Paul talks a lot about kind of the trade school concept and how you build those foundational mental models that, you know, overall set you up for success in whatever you're passionate about. Um, I think one of the things in this industry is we're seeing a lot more folks to look up to that are not just the the, the, the hacker or the, you know, the person that people see in magazines. Um, so when they think about, oh, I want to be in cybersecurity because, you know, I saw it's the highest paying job on USA Today. And it looks cool that I get to play with technology and, um, you know, do some hacking stuff and, you know, break things down and, and rebuild them. That's what's bringing people into the industry. But I think there's a lot more folks nowadays talking about, you know, GRC and the business side and, there are other technical areas that are not hacking. You know, you can be a vulnerability assessor. You can think about rules and configurations. You can look at the network and really be able to understand the whole sphere of it and how to protect it. I think that's pretty cool, um, probably because I'm passionate about it. But I'm looking forward to hearing more folks come in and say, I'm really passionate about, you know, looking at things from a high level and, and breaking them down, finding gaps and helping these business leaders understand the unique mental model that I've been able to build, you know, through these trade school concepts, through these you know, different training programs, you know, some people, like you said, Chris, don't like to read. So how are those, you know, how do we set up those resources and how do we continue to set up those resources so that it's accessible to every single learning modality, learning um, method? Um, would be interested in your thoughts there on, you know, I know with what you're building, but any, any breakthroughs that you've seen and kind of getting people out of that, I just want to be a hacker um, to kind of now I want to be a leader in this space. Well, that that's why the, the first thing I do with my coaching and then the first thing we do at Whole Cyber Human Initiative is to figure out their why, because their why will help guide them into potentially which side of the color wheel they're going to end up. And then from there, like, say it's red or blue, um, then you figure out, okay, where in the blue, where in the red? Um, there's such a variety. Oh, no, you don't like red or blue? Okay, well, uh, you could stand here in the middle and, and help the teams connect, or uh, you could be the one running the project, or you could be the one selling the project and 
um, while you don't do the technical stuff, you understand why it's important, how it helps the business. And then you can sell that to companies, ensuring that you're doing it securely. There's so many different aspects to it. So figuring out what their why is and starting with that helps them figure out where they want to go first. And then from there, it's really doing like a gap assessment, like you mentioned, okay, this is where I am. This is where I want to go. This is how people see me now. This is how I want them to see me in the future. So there's your technical skills and your soft skills. Um, both of them have to be assessed. Uh, your soft skills end up what creates your brand and your branding that is critical when you're looking for a new role. So as you're looking for that role, you have to put yourself in that mindset from the beginning that I'm a cybersecurity professional from the beginning, not like I only get that title once I get the role. No, you're a cybersecurity professional now because by the time you read one chapter in that book, you know more than a lot of people do. So let's take that information, let's harness that information. You get in that mindset that you're a cybersecurity professional now, and you're just working to continuously evolve, continuously better yourself. Yeah, I think I that's see Greg uh, taking frantic notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking this as well, Greg, and I like to put a put a pin in it for a revisiting later, or uh, somewhat rabbit brains at times can kind of uh, get us down the, uh, the the deep dark path. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that recognizing that they have a ever evolving skill set that they may not know at all. Quite frankly, if we're being honest, none of the even the experts, or we'll call them schmies, uh, know it all. If we're being honest, we all have a lot to learn, especially as every second, every millisecond, this stuff, the way threat actors, the way people are getting into networks, the way businesses are evolving through technology, it's 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 changing. Um, so it, it, there's programming languages that are being developed uh, uh, on a daily, weekly basis. Um, there's companies that put out job listings for for someone with 10 years experience in, in a language that just came out two years ago. Um, they're expecting the world, but they have to understand like this is an ever evolving space. And just because you don't know one specific language, um, it could be based on another language. And there's a lot of similarities, just like speaking. Um, there's a lot of languages that, that come from that French or that Spanish base and connecting them. Uh, if you spoke one of those languages, you can then easy, easier understand that other language. Yeah, they even easily, say so. but easier. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd say it's even as something so similar as you know a foreign language, but you don't know the local dialect, right? So you're there, but there's a parallel between the two to make you more a fluent speaker to the business, the security community, what, what have you. Um, so taking that thought, looking at what the job recs are of asking for experience and something that didn't exist past, you know, X, Y, and Z years, how do the HR or human resources community and the security slash business leaders better refine or work together to refine the job listings so people aren't scared away of taking that leap or trying. 
Well, I would say I always recommend taking a step back and figuring out what exactly you're looking for this role to achieve. And from that job listing, if you're using that as a, a copy paste from before, what you really need to achieve that role and set realistic expectations. You know they're going to need to ramp up. So instead of saying, oh, these are the expectations that I have for them in two years, okay, let's scale that back. You know they're not going to have all of that. So set realistically to where you want them to be now that would provide them with the great foothold to build the rest on. And then once they see that you're, invest, you're investing in them, they're going to invest in you. The, 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 the trouble I see is that in this, I want it now, I want it today mentality, there's not any investment, there's not any loyalty between factions, employers, employees. Um, we have to get back to being able to build loyalty, to uh, invest in each other. And that could be part of the job description. Hey, in this role, you'll be doing this, you'll be learning this, and these are the types of problems that you'll be solving for this mission, right? So now you take it from what they're learning, what they're solving, and then what sort of mission because today's generation, they want to go solve a problem. They want to help solve world hunger or a certain disease. Or So if you're tied to one of those, show them that you're, this is part of your focus so that you, you bring out that inner mission drive in them. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> big, big impact. Um, you know, we, we're in an impact-driven industry where I don't think people get into this industry unless they have that kind of impact driving them forward. How do you help leaders kind of stay focused? You know, there's so much to learn in this space. There's, you know, we see people getting into the industry. Maybe they have 20 years experience, you know, in another industry and they're trying to learn everything that cybersecurity embodies, which is, you know, it's really not possible. It creates confusion for them which can stifle action. So I know it stems from the why they have to figure out, you know, how they learn what their why is, you know, and that, that leads to the competency area potentially of what they would be good at. But anything that you've come across to kind of rein people in and say, you don't need to know all this, you know, and I think you hit, hit on a key point there where when you lay it out like that, you know, the things you're going to accomplish, things you're going to learn, you know, the missions you're going to achieve, I think that's a, you know, that simplistic mindset, I think is so important in this industry. I'm not sure, you know, any, any kind of breakthroughs that you've had in getting people there and just kind of slowing them down to say, here's what you need to be really good at now. Here's what you're going to learn next. And then, you know, here's how you can apply that to a overall mission. But it's the same thing for leaders, right? Um, there's CISOs that are focused on building up from a startup and once they've built up for, for them their drive is done um in that organization because they already built it up they, they don't want to maintain there's other people that are really good at maintaining so they'll then come in and maintain that program and then there's other people that that want to optimize 
they'll come in and they'll help optimize that program. So it's really figuring out like what you're good at and what problems you solve, because that's what you're going to tell that future employer. Hey, you have this problem. This is how I help solve this problem. So you're bringing me in for this um, problem solving ability. And then from there you grow out uh, to help different parts of the organization uh, solve that type of problem. Yeah, I think switching gears here for a minute. Um, you know, Chris, you're, you've been a security practitioner, knee deep in the industry, you know, helping businesses, helping customers navigate this complex stuff. So what would you say some of the biggest challenges security leaders, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but security leaders and security teams face currently, you know, top of mind threats, what, what have you? Well, it, it goes back to how does an organization generate value? Most of the times um, there's struggle in identifying what's the core application. How does that core application generate value? How, what sort of data flows through it? What, how sensitive is the data that flows through it? And it's really figuring out all the different pieces to the onion to peel it back to be able to secure it. So no matter how a threat actor is, um, they'll, they, they, they could eventually get you. But you, what you want to do is you, you want to build that resilience. You want to ensure that um, whether it's an earthquake or it's someone DDoSing your primary location, that you're resilient to that. You have uh, backups in place or different strategies to, to tackle that. Uh, so that, that's what I see the challenges being, especially in a cloud-first, um, fast, this, everything environment. Now, their core data is everywhere. Um, and it's almost like, okay, let's, let's start pulling it back in. Do we really need 10 different um, software as a service providers to share our data with our vendors? Um, how about we integrate it into one? And like solving that business problem, I know you need to get it out there. I know you need to have this functionality. How can we provide you with this same functionality with uh, a more closely monitored um, application that we can ensure that our sensitive uh, IP is not uh, flying out the door, uh, going to China or whatever? Yeah, it definitely requ requires the conversation. I think those are some fascinating questions to kind of start that conversation or further it, take it to the next level um, from that standpoint. Before microservices, kind of became a you know streamlined term in the industry when it comes to segmentation and kind of how this software as a service world, everything's as a service now, it seems like, you know, from a technology standpoint to a delivery standpoint. I remember, you know, three or four years ago, going to a SaaS provider and saying, you know, how are your clients segmented in your environment? And they were like, what do you mean segmented? And, you know, you, the, all these companies, you know, hundreds of companies are all playing together in the same pool, just you know, sending their information back and forth. And it was working. So nobody asked the question on, you know, what does this look like? How is it architected? Where's, where's my data sit? 
how do you make sure it doesn't, you know, intertwine with other companies, which is scary to think about um, from that standpoint, if you have a line item that is supposed to go through this, you know, manufacturing line that's automated to make something and, you know, it's the wrong SKU number. Um, so I think it, you know, everything's kind of co-mingling. So I think it's kind of the, you know, it's keeping things simple, you know, the KISS model, um, but having those important conversations that you're saying and asking the questions on, you want this to work. We want it to work as well. We just want it to work in the right manner. Um, and I think when that happens, it builds trust and that builds strong culture. And that's what, as we continue to, to row forward, all of us together, you know, down the river, up the river, whichever way you look at it, you know, I think that those are going to be critical aspects of building a great culture, both in the industry and in the individual companies that we all have the opportunity to impact. Greg, Greg, you're flowing. It's a lot of the thoughts there. Um, we typically ask folks, you know, that we bring on the show, Chris, you know, just kind of round out the conversation, what security means to them. Security has different, or that layer of protection has different elements to it. Um, so, you know, based on, based on you being in the industry, what does security mean to you, Chris? Uh, security to me means being able to do what I want and not being worried that either someone's going to stop me from doing it when I want to do it. Someone's watching me doing it when I do it. And it, it's the same approach that I take with uh, guiding stakeholders in the business, um, figuring out what they want to achieve and how to enable them to resiliently deliver that, that goal, that, that mission that you're trying to achieve um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, starts with safety, uh, just like with humans, there's, there's psychological safety, um, there, there's safety of the systems, there's, then there's functionality. So uh, figuring out what we need to do to make it safe, and then from there, what, what can we do to make it function? Because um, if it's too safe, you end up throwing it in the ocean and no one can use it. Um, so you still want it to be able to, to interact with and function with. So you, you want that functionality to be there. Um, so it's that marriage between the, the two. Yeah, I heard a great, really great points. I heard a, on one of the podcasts uh, listened to that you know, friction is always a word that it's like usability versus security. You know, how far do we lock down the systems is always a question. But the point being was, you know, folks in your business typically want to do the right thing. We talk about shadow IT and people downloading software that they ultimately want to get the solve the problem, right? Whatever that's the first assignment to get there. But they don't want to natively, you know, certain event security controls. They just want to get their job done. So I think it's back to the security culture component that having these open and honest conversations, eliciting feedback, making it okay to get feedback where they're comfortable to bring these, you know, hey, this application is, you know, causing additional three hours of my day that I could, you know, better utilize X, Y, and Z area. Um, so I think it, it, it really or, comes or hey, yeah. Hey, I see this chat GPT thing out there. Um, yeah. 
it seems like it can solve my business functions. Um, are we able to try it out? Sure, let's talk about what you're looking to achieve. Um, if that is really the solution that you think it is, and then work through some of the, the concerns. Like if you don't understand how it's been programmed, um, the algorithms that go into it and understand the biases and the, the variability in the way it computes its results, um, you could get a tragic outcome. So you don't want that to be your day one delivering to customers. So you wanna ensure that you work through those concerns ahead of time um, when it's in the nascent stage versus they already went out, they already paid with their, their personal card um, because it's just 50 bucks a month and they connected it to your cloud service and now it's a chat bot for the company. Um, yeah, you want to have those conversations way before then. And I think it goes back to when these folks have their, we'll call it bring your own device. You know, they download it, they connect into your cloud, they have uh, those security policies that run in, you know, whether it's Microsoft 365 or whatnot, but they also download Snapchat and Snapchat natively asks for your, your location information, right? And Just TikTok. again, having that, having that conversation first and saying, it's okay to bring new innovative ideas, applications, software to the table. Let's talk about it. Um, I'd rather you do that than my security team panic and try to inventory uh, what we thought we were supposed to have, right? Stay, stay away from the closet. I guess people used to say in the past, you know, you, you stay as far away from the IT and security closet as possible. And you try to hide when you're doing anything that you think they wouldn't approve of. So I think we're breaking down some of those barriers, you know, each day. Um, but you know, it's, it's a cultural shift. Like you've mentioned, Chris, um, it's been a fascinating discussion. Pre definitely appreciate your time. So. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on and, uh, love to come on again in the future. Yeah. We'd yeah, love I to have you on again. Um, Jeff, any, any wrap up questions, any final thoughts? Yeah. I can, I can talk with Chris and you guys for, uh, for hours. But I value your time and um, definitely appreciate you taking the time this Friday to join us and provide um, your tremendous insights. Definitely would would uh, would like to see how people can find you, Chris, how people can get started in, in your coaching, if that interests them. Um, we'll start there. Well, uh, cpf-coaching.com, easy way to find me. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Chris underscore F O U L O N um, and CF CPF coaching many other places as well. So uh, th that's the best way to find me. And to take that first step, he has a fantastic newsletter that I'm personally subscribed to. There's a lot of healthy free content to just start that question of, or answer that question of why. And, and again, get your feet in there on you know, what your cyber journey might look like and how Chris and the team, even that whole cyber human can help enable and empower that mission. So I guess uh, round things out, you know, I'd like to know, you know, who's been the most influ influential uh, person in your life, Chris, uh, and why? Uh, I mean, some of the folks that have invested a lot of time 
and energy in me um, have been folks like Alan Alford, uh, Gary Hayslip, uh, Chris Roberts, um, a, a lot over in the, the Tinkersec community. They've invested a lot of time in me, so um, definitely have to give hats up to them. And the folks that have invested in me has been the reason why I've been investing back in others because I feel um, the need to give back and to, to continue that on. Yeah, that, that's a healthy list of, of folks. And I'm sure that you have your personal board of directors that we, we talk about. And then you have your professional board of directors, um, people that can help grow you and get you to that next level um, that we talked about earlier on. Again, Chris, been fascinating discussion. I'll leave you, gents, as we started. Coffee cup cheers. I wish everybody listening out there um, has a happy, healthy, and safe weekend ahead. Um, we want to thank you again. Follow our content if you're enjoying uh, what we put out to the world. And I definitely encourage you to reach out to Chris. Chris is always an open door to help in, in whatever way possible. And uh, with that, Chris dropped, but we leave it like we leave every, every other episode. Make it your mission today to make somebody else's day better. And with that, have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks, everyone. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.